Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For more info and service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Ken Brinkus continues our series, The Circle Maker. His message serves as a reminder to grow in faith by praying with passion and persistence. want you to know that, that uh, I want to encourage you that when we, t- when we step out in faith and take God seriously on this matter of prayer, when you add fasting to it, I'm not trying to like, this is not like some kind of magic formula, like, like we're, this is not some kind, of some, some kind of superstitious thing we're doing, okay? This is a relationship with the living God, and we need to grow in it. Some of you have been coming to church for years, and you haven't figured out how to pray through stuff. You expect the leaders to pray through for you. I'm telling you, you've got the authority of Christ in your heart to to get up and start doing this stuff. That's why I want to encourage you today. I'm going to teach you how to pray hard. Well, I'm going to try to inspire you to pray hard. Because honestly, there's no formula to it. There there are a lot of tools out there that will help you. Today is just about helping you see the larger picture. Okay, you ready? So this is what it's about. Um... There was a study done years ago on uh, Japanese children and their American counterparts. And, and what they did was they took these Japanese kids and these American kids the same age, and they um, analyzed how they did on standardized math tests, the same tests, right? They found, of course, that every single time they took the test, the Japanese kids scored a lot higher. And they were wondering... Why is it? Now, you know that stereotype, right, that's out in our society, right? The Asians are just better at math, right? It's a stereotype because there's so many, like, it seems like everybody, like, if you're Asian, you're good at math. Like, okay, forget the stereotype, right? They did research on this. Like, what is it? Is it just that they're smarter? What is it? So they did this test, and they found out that on average, when it came to how long one of the Japanese children spent to try to figure out the problem was 47% higher in terms of the amount of time they spent to try to solve the problem than their American counterpart. So the result of the study was, hey, you know what? The difference in these scores have less to do with intelligence and more to do with persistence. They just persisted more. There was another study that was done in uh, in an academy of music in Berlin an elite academy, and what they did with the help of professors is they took these violinists that were the same age, and they divided them into three classes, three groups. There were the elite, which were the world-class violinists. There were the um, good violinists, and then there were the uh, ones that they knew were most more like unlikely to play professional violin. And so they analyzed them, and all things being the same when they were young, they practiced the same amount of time, they had the same kind of instructions. What they found was, up till the age of eight, everything was, was the same. But at the age of eight, something began to shift. And they, they kept you know, tracking these kids. These same kids, at the age of 20, they found that the average violin players in this group had spent about 4,000 hours of practice. The good violinists, ones where that, you know, they were good, spent about 8,000 hours, but the elite group, 
you can probably guess how many hours average. 10,000 hours of practice. So they were like, hmm, I wonder what that is. So they, they, they surmised. Persistence is almost like this magic bullet, like there's a magic number to it, 10,000 hours. Some of you have heard that, right? Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. This is kind of what he goes by. And the quote comes from this guy. His name, he's a neurologist named Daniel uh, Levitin. The emerging picture of such studies is that 10,000 hours of practice is required to achieve a level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything. Basketball, chess, piano, writing fiction, ice skating, composing music, being a criminal. (laughs) You get good at it by persisting in the right way. So they still haven't yet proven. I, I, there's probably some late, more like recent research. They haven't proven any situation where the 10,000-hour rule doesn't yet apply. Okay? Now, there are other factors. I know that there's other things involved. But the point is, and my point is, could it be the same with prayer? Could it be the same with growing our prayer life? So I'm going to leave this with you today, that if you want to grow in the practice of prayer, it's going to take you doing some work in prayer. You want to be better at prayer? Guess how you do it? You start to pray. (laughs) There's no other way around that. And it requires persistence. Say persistence. I say this word with passion, okay? Passion. Passion. There you go. You can't be like passion. And the promises. I'll explain that in a second. So let's talk about persistence. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18. It says this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show how they should always pray and never give up. So don't don't forget that. Jesus' point is explained right there. I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate how you should pray and not give up. So here it is. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but, she, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Does that sound familiar, husbands, right? This woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice. Why? Because I'm good? No, because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. (laughs) Okay, so it's important to remember that the point of the parable is for Jesus to encourage you to pray with persistence. It's It's not to associate the judge with God, okay? So... The point, Jesus is saying, I want you to learn how to be tenacious in your prayer life. Think about this. The widow, being a widow in that society would have put her at a disadvantage. Women didn't have a say in the court of law in that ancient world. In fact, their testimonies were completely disregarded. Which is why it's suspect that that women were the first ones to report the news of the resurrection. You see, so strike one. And then on top of that, she's a widow. She's vulnerable to being mistreated. 
and taken advantage of with little or no resources or options for her life. In that world, that was a widow. Strike two. And then on top of that, she was the victim of some injustice. We're not told what that is. Maybe her son was being falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. Maybe the man who molested her daughter was still on the streets. Maybe someone murdered her husband, which is why she's a widow. Who knows? But whatever it was, she decided she would not quit pursuing justice until things were set right. Again, we're not told, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is that the judge realized this is not an ordinary widow. She was a circle maker. She's not going to take no for an answer. And she would keep circling the judge's court and the judge's house, if need be, until she got the answer. Now, that sounds kind of creepy. It's like, stalker, right? Unless, unless what she was looking for was the right thing. And here it says she's looking for justice and righteousness. And when she's looking for it, she doesn't quit until she gets it. Why does she refuse to quit? It's the same reason we don't change our lives for the better even though we know better. Because the reason you don't change your life even though you know you should, you know why? I've told you this time and time again from this pulpit. Because it's not painful enough. It's not painful enough for you to change. You get pain both ways, folks. You get pain for not changing and you get pain for changing. And so this widow is desperate enough. Like, it's painful enough to not be receiving the justice that's due. And so I'm going to go for it, and I'm not going to quit. Listen, you could almost say she's desperate. There's a desperation that is driven by fear. And there's a desperation that's driven by faith. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference But where that gets sorted out is in the place of prayer. So don't worry where the desperation is. Is it fear or faith? Go to God, and he'll sort it out for you. All right. It's going to take some work. Because when it comes to this kind of praying, you need to work as if it depends on you and pray as if it depends completely on God. That's the place of persevering prayer. You know, sometimes uh, we, it's, it's, when we're growing in Jesus, I find that for the most part we go to prayer because we're driven to our knees by painful situations in life. But God wants to teach us here, what he wants to teach us is not that we should only seek him when it gets painful enough. The real lesson he wants to teach us here is that while pain might drive us to our knees, holy perseverance and persistence keeps us on our knees until something happens or until God says, you're done. The answer is there. Even though you don't see it, Some of you have had the experience in prayer where you've prayed and prayed and prayed and you've persisted and then God woke you up one morning and said, you're done, I've answered the prayer, stop praying. And you stopped praying and you started praising. Because it's done. It's finished, I'm just waiting for the result. 
And that result might take a year or two or whoever knows, but it's done, and you prayed through, and you got it. Most of us pray, God, bless that situation, help that person, and that's it. I'm going to try to teach you today to persist until the answer, until you're certain that God has responded. Sometimes it's right there and there. It happened. Sometimes it's in your heart. You know, I'm done. I need to start praising God for the answer. All right. So here's why I think sometimes we don't pray with persistence. Because we forget, number one, that we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. You know, I know this. I don't want to, I'm not the kind of person, you guys know me for years. I, I don't like look at everything and see it animated by evil. All right? Man, we, we live in the good world of our Heavenly Father. The creation, His creation is a good one, folks. There's not a demon behind every doorknob. Some people believe that. Some cultures believe that. It's, life is animated by these spirits floating around there, and they're connected to the trees and to the sun. and to the, That's animism. We're, we're believers. We're Christians. We believe that God created a good world, and there is evil, and there is darkness. We are in a spiritual battle, right? The thief comes, Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are enemies of God, spiritual, supernatural, that are actively resisting his will from being accomplished. I don't know if we've ever, I've ever taught you this. I, I feel like I have. And some of you know this because you've grown up in, in, in this kind of um, teaching on prayer. But, but let me just show you, okay? It's a good reminder. Especially because we're persevering in prayer. All right, so there's a story in the book of uh, Daniel about the, the prophet Daniel. And Daniel, you know, was, he was working in a secular society in the, in the court of Babylon. But Daniel had this power to, uh, from God, this gift from God to, to interpret dreams. And so there's an episode. I just want to point out something to you. Listen to this. He says, in the third year of, King Cyrus, King of, of, uh, of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Now, Daniel writes, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no, nor wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So he basically, so when we say do a Daniel fast, this is what we mean. Like, he didn't eat meat. So he fasted for three weeks, and he sets his heart on seeking God for 21 days so that he can gain understanding about this dream, this vision that he has. Now watch, at the end of this fasting and prayer, an angel of God shows up. And I want you to see this. It says here in verse 12, he continued, the angel shows up and says, Daniel, I've come in answer to your prayer. Watch. He says, don't be afraid, Daniel. This is the angel speaking to Daniel. Since the first day, say first day. On the first day you started praying, the answer was given. The first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. Okay, so why are you coming 21 days late? He says, I'll tell you why. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. In other words, he's not talking about like political government leaders here. He's talking about angels. He's talking about supernatural beings that resist. This is a, a spiritual battle happening in the invisible realm. 
Do you believe there's an invisible realm? Do you believe there are airwaves filling the air right now called radio waves and frequencies? Absolutely. Can there be a reality that exists that you can't see with your naked eye? Absolutely. This is what the scripture teaches. This is a biblical worldview. There is a battle happening, and sometimes when you're praying, and it's not that God doesn't hear your prayer. It's that the answer is on its way, but there is darkness that is resisting that answer from expressing itself in your world. And you've got to stay in that mode of persevering and persisting. Because sometimes the answers don't show up when we want because there is a spiritual war happening around those issues in the invisible realm. Sorry to talk so like otherworldly at this point, but I'm telling you, this is the reality. This is why I wake up most every morning and I pray not only for my kids, for God to bless them, but I pray against the powers of darkness to get off my family and to get off my stuff and to get off my finances and to get off all the stuff that God has given me me to steward. So if you're losing stuff in your life, and you're a sincere Christ follower, maybe God is teaching you how to do some battle. Yesterday, I, I led a class with a bunch of pastors from our district, and it's, the class is designed to help them discover and clarify their calling and to start getting on track to fulfilling it. How many of you know if a bunch of pastors got clear on what God has called them to do and started fulfilling it, that is a threat to the kingdom of darkness? How many of you know, not even pastors, if you got clear on what God is calling you to do in this world, to partner with him in his mission in this world, how many of you know if you got up and started to do even 10% of what that looks like, that that would be a threat to the kingdom of darkness? So yesterday, I'm preparing for this. Uh, Sorry, two days ago, I'm preparing for this seminar that I'm about to teach and lead, co-lead with our district supervisor. And the night before, me and my wife get in a big fight. It wasn't like a blow-up, cuss-you-out kind of fight. I'm just being real, okay? But it was one of those, I want to withdraw, I want to get out of my face right now kind of fight. Now, The history of this is every single time I get up to prepare to talk to pastors about discovering their calling, something happens that week to throw a wrench in my peace, (laughs) to steal my joy. Because when I was preparing for this thing, I was like, Man, I can't wait. This is I'm right in the center of what God wants me to do. I can't wait to do, I can't wait to share. And then all of a sudden, bleh. and it was over stupid things, you know, like dumb things. Then I reminded myself, so I was a good, I was a good husband, and at the end of the day, I found myself, we were lying in the bed, and I'm like, honey, I love you. <laughs> Let's pray. Sometimes you got to say it. Let me give you a lesson on how your brain and your emotions work, all right? If you're having trouble with negative emotions, you got to sometimes just act the complete opposite way. And you got to tell your thoughts something different. Because then you start fixating, your emotions start driving your thoughts. But the way it was meant to work was your thoughts were meant to drive your feelings. So every time you start to feel depressed or every time you start to feel um, anxious or like angry, stand in front of the mirror and smile at yourself and go... Oh, you are amazing. You are such the happiest person. You are joyful in God. 
and fake it. <laughs> Tell your brain. You don't, have to, you don't have to give in to depression. You don't have to give in to anger right now. So what I did, I'm sitting there in the bed, and I'm seething in anger like, like I just want to go to sleep right now. And I, then my true self said to me, <laughs> Ken, you need to tell your body, tell your brain to do what Jesus wants to do at this moment. Okay, what is that? Tell me. So I said, so I said, I love you, honey. I love you. Don't touch me, but I love you. I love you. <laughs> and I started, I started praying. I go, can we pray? Let's pray. He's like, she's on the other side of the bed. Like, we're, like we have this like big California king bed. Like I'm over here. She's way over here. Don't tell her I told you, okay? <laughs> she, I'm over here. She's way over here. I'm like, let's pray. And so I start praying. I tell you, man. But the third sentence of that prayer, I was inspired. I was like, Lord, I pray. We started praying. I started drawing circles, man, around my kids. And then I started praying for my marriage in front of her. And then it was beautiful because I get to tell her everything she was doing wrong in that prayer. <laughs> it was glorious. And I felt the spirit, you know. And it wasn't me accusing her, either. It was just like being real. You know, it was like catharsis in the presence of God. Just getting out. And then I shifted. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, she started agreeing with me. I was like, yeah. It's good. Because there's a battle. You see what I mean? I started, we prayed against the powers of darkness. Like, in Jesus' name, we, get, we bind this stuff. Like, all the assignments of the devil, all the lies that were, he's throwing at us, all the fiery darts that are, sh- are shooting at us. We prayed over that. Woke up in the morning, man. She's like, honey, I love you. You're going to do great today. All of a sudden, she's the woman, right, that I prayed God would give me. <laughs> she's that woman. Guys, <clears throat> if you haven't heard me say it yet, all you men in the room, you are the ones that will tend to be passive when it comes to this. You got to stop it. You got to get off your butt and step in to become the warrior in prayer that God has called you to become for your household. You can't let, you know, the cycles of love and respect, like when you get, when you get disrespected, you stop loving your wife, and when she, stops lo- she starts feeling unloved, she starts disrespecting you, and there's this vicious cycle. You got to learn to grow up out and to break the cycle. And one of the ways you do it is you stand up in prayer. And, and even if you have to look stupid and silly and feel dumb about it, like, I'm going to pray, honey, can we pray? I don't feel respected right now, but can we pray? Okay, if she won't, she won't have it and it sounds too spiritual for her, then go off, get in your prayer closet, or go take a drive and pray. Get with God. Because he loves your wife more than you do. And you need, to, you need to take up that role. And you need to learn the language of this, guys. Right? All the wives said? Yes. All the wives said, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Come on. I hope the offering's a little larger today. <laughs> Just kidding. It was so dumb. <laughs> All, right. All right. You get it. You get it. There's just some things that won't happen unless you engage in spiritual battle over those matters. And folks, I don't know about you, but I feel the battle most intensely when it comes to my marriage, our family. Because it is the enemy's strategy to break families apart. 
All right, thank you, Gannon. Persist. Here's the other reason that we forget or we don't persist in prayer is because we forget that God is growing you up through prayer. He, he wants to grow you up through your praying. And sometimes growing you up means that he doesn't answer you right away. Like if my son came to me right now and said, <clears throat> Dad, I'm just feeling so good and generous. I want to drive my brother, my younger brother, my younger sister around wherever they want to go. I will serve them with all my heart. Just give me the keys to the car. And, and I want to drive them. Now, I would be a really dumb dad if I said, oh, you're so generous, Caleb. Here's the keys. Go ahead. I want you to express your generosity. Go take them for a drive. Why is that dumb? Because he doesn't know how to drive. He is not, he has not proven that he can operate that weapon of destruction, you know, a vehicle. He's not tested. So sometimes we ask God for stuff out of the sincerity of our hearts. Mind you, okay? Our hearts are right. But God goes, that's like asking me for the car keys when you have not been tested yet. So what does God do? He answers the prayer, but he starts where he knows you need to start, which is let's test you first. Let's train you first, and then you can be trusted with this answer. So no wonder you start asking God for stuff, and what does he do? He starts testing your character. He starts showing you just how selfish you are. He starts showing you how greedy you are. He starts showing you how uh, lustful you are. He starts showing you, you know, how you just always think of, you know, other things, selfish thought, whatever it might be, envious. He reveals stuff and says, I'm going to train your character because what, I want, what you're asking for requires a certain credibility. It requires a certain, like, I'm going to entrust you with something. And you need to have the character foundation to handle it or else it will destroy you and you will destroy others. All right? So in prayer, when we, persi- we don't persist because we don't see this. Often, I, 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 you know, we, I've heard it said, and I've said this to you before, that prayer doesn't just change things. Ch- prayer often changes you before it changes the stuff you're praying for. But if you don't persist in it, you won't see the full effect of the change God wants to work in you. If I just gave my son everything he asked for without him, like, working for it, or it's not about working or earning. It's really about building his character, isn't it? So it's not about earning something from God. It's, it's about saying, God, I'm going to learn how to be a mature son and daughter with you in my praying. He's growing you up. Tell the person next to you, he's growing you up. Yeah, he's growing you up. Look at this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. What? No, no, no. We complain about our sufferings, right? That's what you meant, Paul. No, no. He said, we glory in our sufferings. Talk about a mindset change. Oh, suffering? Bring it on. I, it's, I glory in that. Now, that's not like masochism or whatever they call it. It's just like, oh, I see, what, I see what God can do through that. Look, Paul goes, because we know that suffering produces what? Persistence, perseverance. 
And if you persevere, like in prayer and in anything in life, it's going to build character, and character results in what? Hope. Because everybody needs hope if you're going to wake up in the morning and live your life for a purpose. And he goes, hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Man, you got everything you need. You just need to trust that sometimes when you're praying and you're persisting, God's saying, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm building something in you. Perseverance is going to yield character. And character, you know what that looks like in prayer? When you pray, especially if you start praying for your enemies, <laughs> you know, sometimes some of you have a hard time forgiving other people. And my suggestion is start, don't start by just forgiving them. Didn't God say, didn't Jesus say, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart, right? So it's a heart issue. Where you deal with that is in prayer. Start praying for them. And as you do, as you persist in that, guess what happens? God will change your heart and your character. And instead of feeling bitter, you'll start to feel compassion, understanding, Love, you'll start to see it from God's perspective. And then you can truly say from your heart, I forgive you. That's how it works. Amen? Yeah. All right. I'm going to close with this one. <clears throat> so pray with persistence. But that persisting prayer, <sighs> let me just say it this way, man. We have a, a congregation in our Norwalk campus that's led by a Spanish-speaking pastor named Jorge Rosil. Pastor Jorge. It's our Spanish-speaking congregation. And every time, I, I love attending their worship and prayer gatherings. You know why? Because when you walk into that prayer gathering, and those of you who've been there, you know, man, they are, they are working at it, man. They are, there's, it's like intense. And I don't even know what they're saying, but I feel the presence of Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, it makes me wonder if Jesus is, like, his primary language is Spanish, man, because it's like, <laughs> this is powerful. This is huge. And they're going, you know, Padre Nuestro, que estás en los cielos. And then they're just like, bam, 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 bam. And they're shouting and they're crying and they're like, come on. It's intense and it's passionate. Folks, we got to learn from them. Let me show you. If you want to grow in your prayer life, learn to pray with passion. In the book of Acts, there's this really cool story. I shared this with our prayer group on, on Wednesday. It's about, remember um, when, well, let's just read it. It says here, about this time, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. King Herod, the king of the Jews, arrests James, the brother of John. And just like that, like in the text, it's like, it's like one sentence. He, he arrests James, brother of John. He's the pastor of the Jerusalem church. And before you know it, he just, the next day, the headline says, James is dead. He puts James to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So watch what happens. So James gets killed. How, sh how shocking is that, right? It'd be like, next week if you heard that someone arrested me and, I, and, and killed me, right? It's like, what? 
Our pastor got killed by Herod? But Herod was like, hey, man, this is getting good. This is getting all these likes on Facebook. So hey, let, me, let me do it to Peter. So he arrests Peter, puts him in prison, handing him, an over, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. I don't know if they thought Peter was going you know, like to break out or whatever, but that's a lot of guards. He, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but watch. The church was earnestly praying for God, praying to God for him. So Jerusalem, so James gets arrested and killed. The church more than likely didn't have time to even know what was going on with James. Because it didn't say that the church prayed earnestly for James. It's not because they didn't like James. They just probably didn't know what was going on. Because it happened so quickly. But when they found out that Peter got arrested, that Pete was in jail, it says they prayed earnestly. That word earnestly, in the original language, can also be translated, they prayed fervently, strenuously, intensely, with passion. Now, imagine how that prayer meeting went. I guarantee you, folks, if you were to walk into that prayer meeting where the church was praying for Peter to get broken out of prison, to, for God to deliver him, they weren't praying, oh, God, bless Peter, give him a little peace in prison, get, provide for his needs. They weren't praying like that. I imagine that they would have, they would have prayed and it would have sounded something like this. Jesus, we cry out to you. We declare that all authority in the heavens and the earth are yours, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Herod is nothing compared to you. Holy Spirit, fill our prayers with power right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are our deliverer. You said in Psalm 18, in my distress, I called upon the Lord, and he reached down from on high, and he took hold of me, and he drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. Lord, do the same for Peter. Break him out of that prison. Send your angels to go deliver him, right? And imagine like 25, 30 people like lifting their voices with that kind of passion. What's, what's the result of this? The story goes, I'm not going to read it, but the story goes the angel showed up in Peter's jail cell, breaks Peter out, and Peter thinks it's a dream. He leads Peter right past the guards who are sleeping, puts him out in the middle of the street, and Peter wakes up and goes, oh, it was a, I'm free. He goes to the house where the people are praying, knocks on the door, and Rhoda answers the door, and she thinks it's, Peter. it's a ghost, right? It's a fun, kind of a funny story. The point is, the church was praying passionately, earnestly, fervently, strenuously. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you drew a circle in prayer like that? Earnestly, fervently, passionately. It makes a difference. Got it? Say yes, Pastor. Persist in prayer with passion. You're going to see God do some amazing things in your life. Not just over the things you're praying for, but in terms of changing your own character and making you more like him. You down for that? Amen. Amen. 